When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies, human beings, and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quintkin. When it comes to natural materials and eco-friendly sourcing, sneakers aren't typically the first type of product to come to mind. My guest today, Allbirds co-CEO and co-founder, Joey Zwillinger, is on a mission to change that. Since co-founding Allbirds in 2015, the brand has become an iconic staple in both fashion and eco-friendly design, becoming a certified B Corp in 2016 and introducing carbon footprint labeling in 2020. Also in 2020, the company announced a collaboration with Adidas to create the lowest carbon footprint performance shoe of all time. Joey, welcome to Brand on Purpose. Pleasure to be here. I love the mission of what you guys do, so it's great to be a part of it. Well, as we talked off air, I'm a fan of the brand, as is my son. I think I made my first purchase back in 2017. I still have them. So I appreciate all that you do and what you've brought to the market. And that's what we're going to talk about. But before I get into it, I want to talk a little bit about your background. So your background is in engineering. I know you got an MBA as well, but you worked, I believe, for a company that has a different name now. I think it was called Solazyme at the time, before you launched Allbirds. Mm -hmm. Was that kind of a bio type company, totally different? Or what are the similarities here? And what led you to thinking about launching and creating Allbirds? Your comment about sneakers in the intro is right. People don't typically think about it. And frankly, before we existed, they shouldn't have because everything is made out of plastic from petroleum or in, in a lot of cases, leather from cows, and it shouldn't be. And so Tim's background, who is my co-founder, played a really inspirational role in the founding of the company. And really, he's the holder of the core design insight and the consumer insight around where things were headed in the world from a consumer behavior perspective and bringing that into a reductive design philosophy to launch the Wool Runner in 2016. He first did it in a prototype before we joined forces and started Allbirds together. But my background, it is really on that material science side. And maybe just to bring it back before Solozyme I'm even, I, I caught the itch and someone gave me a wonderful piece of advice just to follow my nose on this idea that climate change was truly the existential crisis of our time and that people were going to realize that there was going to be a lot of work in the government to protect against it, but there would also be a vital role played in the private sector. And I fell in love with entrepreneurship. I started investing in companies back in the kind of mid-2000s, the mid-naughts. They were called clean tech at the time. I decided to move over to be an operator in that space. And Solazyme was this incredible technology where we utilize biotechnology. So manipulation of the genome of an organism, we use microalgae and we used biotech to train these microalgae to eat sugar, which was or carbon sources, which are low, low carbon intensity from an emissions perspective and turn those into high performance products that could compete with petroleum. So we had a fuels group and a cosmetics group and I ran the renewable chemicals group. And in that journey, as we were building that technology and reaching out to customers, I had a very, very consistent experience where I would have these first meetings with some of our now competitors at Allbirds, but also lots of different industries. And it would be a constant refrain of, 
that sounds incredible. This is what we're talking about to consumers. And then like third conversation was more like, well, you know what, can you just do plastic and do it cheaper? Because we just need a lower cost. And that's kind of what we're about right now. And they wouldn't obviously say it in those exact words, but that was the message we got consistently. And so I found out that consumers, and I had this deep conviction that consumers wanted something that was no compromise, that was amazing for them, for the tangible products, features, and benefits, and amazing for the environment. And brands were just standing in the way of bringing some of these components to market. And so at the time, I had no clue it was going to be sneakers. And fortunately, my wife and Tim's wife happened to be best friends and roommates in college. And they said, you guys should connect on this. And that's what we did. And late 2014, early 2015, we got together and decided that this was a massive leadership opportunity and and particularly with shoes, there was a vacuum of leadership on the environment. And there was also a good business opportunity. And in fact, we could do something where profit and purpose were symbiotic and purpose drove profit and profit drove purpose. And the impact was very aligned with our efforts because of how we structured the business and what we decided to do. And I'm happy to talk about those big choices that we made, but that was what brought us together. And that was what gave us the kind of courage and conviction that we should take a big swing at this. You also made the price point accessible because here to date for anything that seems natural, organic or sustainable, there seems to be a premium on things. And I don't feel that with your line of products. Yeah, I mean, quite the opposite. We had this foundational belief that if we were going to make a dent in this impact area that we could be sustainable, it had to be big. If we weren't big, it was hard to imagine a place where we could really make a big impact if we weren't big as a business. And so we wanted to make sure that we could tap into the broadest set of consumers. And part of that is price, but part of it is also the distribution model that we've elected to take. So we only do direct to consumer, which is digital at core, but has a a really strong fleet of stores. So we have 29 stores today around the world with about 17 of those in the US. I've been to the uh, Soho store. I think that was one of your first ones, actually. Yeah, that was our first store. We had one in San Francisco in our headquarters, but our first proper big store. And what we do is instead of giving a bunch of the retail price to a wholesale partner, we build our own distribution channel and then we reinvest that saved rent in the value chain, that profit that would normally go to the retailer. And we put that back in the make of the shoe. And so we are able to do this deep investment in R&D around material science, relying on natural innovations that are renewable. And then we typically have a pretty expensive cost to make our shoes, but we're able to afford to do that at a reasonable price for consumers because of that distribution model. So it's really that systems thinking that Tim and I put together in the beginning that made us have conviction that we could make this work in a durable fashion for the long run. And that was about purpose infused in the middle of it with our innovation constrained by that purpose. So it had to be lower carbon intensity, it had to be better for the environment, and it had to be better for the consumer, and then connect that to a distribution model, sales model that allowed us to give all that value right back to the customer. That connection and that connective tissue across sales mentality and research and product engine, that's what makes this thing work. And the material science that you describe as the core part of the shoe, is that what you call the sweet foam sole? It's everywhere. I mean, it's like woven everywhere. So you know, there's examples in some of the hero stuff that we talk about broadly. There's examples in things we never even mention, like the insoles are made out of vegetable oil. The bottom unit, the sole of the shoe is, it's a great story. I'll just maybe quickly share it. When we started the business, we knew that we had a great material for the top of the shoe. We call it the upper in the shoe biz. 
and the sole was tough. We had a great insole made from vegetable oil. We didn't have a solution because the industry relies on petroleum or natural gas for everything. It's always fossil fuels for everything on the bottom of the shoe. And so from my previous experience at Soul Design, we had an inkling that we could do something very special if we connected this idea with a partner down in Brazil that we knew had some core capabilities to bring the waste stream from sugarcane processing into a foam material that could be more comfortable and incredibly good on the environment and do that at quite large scale. So we actually went to Brazil. We mocked up a front page of a Wall Street Journal that said, here's what this is going to look like when we're successful together, bringing what the chemical was called EVA, but it's, it's, it's the foam material on the midsole of a shoe. And if we can bring that to market together, this is what the story is going to be. And it's going to be blockbuster. Please invest however many millions of dollars you got to invest to make this happen with us. And we'll launch this together. We'll all put the right muscle behind it. It's going to be great. And so they told us to pound sand because we basically didn't exist at the time. But then we came back and we kept coming. And over the course of two, three years, we were able to convince them to invest a lot of money and shut down the production facility to connect all these pipes. And we now have Sweet Foam, which is based on green EVA that's produced by our our partner, Braschem, down in Brazil. And we open source this material so that the whole world can use it. And there's been huge brands out there, Timberland, UGG, Puma, list goes on and on and on of brands that have now adopted the green EVA that we helped create. We now market that as Sweet Foam, but that's our all birds name for that material. Wait, can I just ask you a quick question? When you say you open source it, does that mean then you're not collecting on any sort of IP or any sort of royalties from others like Timberland and others who are now using or adopting the same technology? No, we, we don't. And and we've made sure to partner with Braskem really closely. So we always stay on the cutting edge and we get some some benefits from our early adoption of this partnership. But no, this is open source because what it turns out is that it's a material that is carbon negative meaning it takes more carbon out of the atmosphere when we produce this material than it takes to create it. That's like a tree. It's like, you know, it's amazing. sucking in CO2 and spitting out oxygen. Like, this is great. So we said, okay, we could keep it to ourselves or it is the most ubiquitous component in the entire sneaker industry, this, this component. So let's get it out there. And if everyone's carbon negative, we're making a massive dent well beyond the material that we use for our product line. That's like my mother would say, that's like the world's greatest mitzvah. I'm sure some people would be like, you're surrendering all sorts of capital by doing that. But I think it also shows that you're true to yourself and and to what you want to do and to make in terms of sustainability. I don't think everybody would make that kind of decision. So was it an easy decision to make? Was it unanimous or was there any hesitation? No, it's not easy. We're about balancing all of our stakeholders, including the environment, our employees, supply chain partners, and our financial stakeholders. And all these questions are are difficult. But if you think about it in the fullness of time and you take a long-term view, you see a way where us introducing this material to the world and then having a bunch of others adopt it is going to accrue value to us as well. In the long term, the brand building that we're doing is something that's a multi-decade long venture for us. Like we believe that consumers are going to realize that climate change is existential threat. They're going to connect their purchases with that realization at some point. Not to say they'll do it just because it's sustainable. It still has to be amazing products. But they will also connect their values to that statement. And if we are if we can be an authentic leader in this space and help evangelize this broadly to consumers, not just to accrue value financially to us, 
we're going to be the leaders. And that's the long journey that we're on. And, and I think this is, while not a always easy question to debate, but that's what we chose in that case. And it might not be the answer every single time. And it depends on what the industry is that we're working with for a specific component or R&D innovation. And, you know, it always differ, but that's the tough stuff. So we've got vegetable oil. We've got waste being repurposed from sugarcane. Tell me about the snow crab shells. Yeah, it's, a, it's another really cool example. And it can be done from crab shells or shrimp shells. So those are all typically discarded from the fishing industry. And there's this wonderful protein in there called chitin. It's a one of the most ubiquitous proteins out there. And you can isolate that. And when you do, it becomes a really novel antimicrobial uh, and anti-odor component. And so we, we, we understood that and we found that out through some research and work with some, some of our external partners on the innovation side. And yet it had only been used in powder form. And so we, we found a way to make it into a yarn and still contribute that value to a shirt. So if you think about silver essence and workout gear or things like that, like it's quite extractive on the planet. And this is a really interesting way to, again, take a waste stream. So someone else's trash becomes just our treasure because it, it is such a sustainable and it's such a good, it's a great lens, right? Like we, we put it in our face mask when COVID hit and we were selling face masks as well. Think about it. It's like, it's this like amazing antimicrobial. It, it's incredibly soft and silky feeling when you put it into a fabric like we use with merino wool and, and eucalyptus fibers. It contributes this antimicrobial benefit to the consumer, and it's also very sustainable. That's one of those sweet spot win-wins. That that's where we love to live, and that's when we think we have the best product that we can bring to market. And to be clear, you had no background in apparel or fashion, right? Zero. You personally. You're a material science guy. You've been in consulting, you know, and obviously you also got your MBA. So you've got engineering, material science, consulting, but you're not necessarily somebody who understood prior to launching Allbirds anything about fashion or the footwear industry, right? No, I mean, I, like most of the time I wear I wear clothes and shoes, but that was it. <laughs> I'm glad to know that. I'm glad. <laughs> and your partner does have some background in design, right? And also probably marketing and understanding consumer behavior. And if I heard you correctly, it's your wives that introduced you to? That's right. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we would never be able to do this successfully if we had not tried to do this alone. So Tim and I's partnership is is really essential to what we've done so far. And I think will continue to be really important. And we have a real deep mutual respect for one another's strengths and weaknesses. And we rely on each other for the weakness areas and also on the strengths. And it's been very powerful. Did I read correctly that you guys have been valued at more than a billion dollars now? You're a unicorn. People say that about us. We never talk about it ourselves, but there, yes, there's stuff out there. How does that feel? Even if it's real or not real, I mean, how does that feel? I mean, it's only you're only what six years into this venture, an amazing, incredibly scaled six years, or two of them through like the worst health crisis of our lifetime. How does that feel? Um, it feels kind of weird because you know, I guess, and some some people view it as a scorecard, and so that that's nice. Like if people think we're successful because of that, but. It hasn't really been about the financial outcomes. Both of Tim and I had this conversation really early on that the financial outcome, what we needed to achieve financially to make this worthwhile was a very low hurdle for, for both of us. Like we were pretty happy with very little. So yeah, it's a little bit weird to measure success on that basis for us. But I will say that back to the comment I made earlier that if we're going to actually make an impact, this thing has to be big. You know, the size of our of what the company's worth is a, a representation of 
uh, how many consumers we've reached and how many consumers share the value set that we're creating this company around. And so I do think as a barometer of, hey, were we right? Is the world going in a direction where people are, are increasingly going to be caring about the environment with what they do on the micro decisions on a daily basis? And I think the answer is starting to show itself that, yes, this is really the next frontier of where consumers are going. And there's going to be a lot of people saying that they're sustainable out there. There's going to be very few that are real authentic leaders in the space. And so I would submit that we're doing things very authentically and we're not cutting corners. We never do here. And that if we continue to grow the business, it's going to be because more and more consumers are recognizing that. And that makes me very proud and I'm humbled by it. Yeah, no, I I can only imagine. What was the inspiration behind the name Allbirds and how did that come about? We, yeah, in the early creative process, that's always a hard one to do. And we wanted it to, to nod back to the heritage of the company, which is we started our first material was Merino Wool from New Zealand. Tim's from New Zealand. He played on their national soccer team. So when man first settled in New Zealand, there was no mammals. It was all birds. And so we loved that the nod back to the heritage of New Zealand. We also loved the idea that before humans came around and started scuffing things up, this is like a, this is the way it was when it was just this normal rhythm of nature. We got excited about that. That's so great. No, I love that. And it's simple. I'm going to guess that you came to that pretty quickly though, right? Yeah. It didn't take us all that long. Like once somebody popped up with the idea, we were like, yeah, that's really good. I'm glad to hear you didn't pay a million dollars to some branding firm. We didn't have to pay a million dollars for that, but we did um, We did have to pay an arm and a leg for the website. So anyway, that's another story. But Yeah. I've heard that one before for sure. So I've noticed too that you have expanded. So it's not just footwear. You have outerwear, you've got athletic wear now as well. I'm assuming that even though the materials might be different, the commitment remains the same in terms of making sustainable apparel that meets your goals around regenerative agriculture, renewable materials, renewable energy sources, et cetera, et cetera. That's absolutely right. The way we've always looked at this is we want to be the best in the world at making products that are amazing for customers and have the lowest impact. And we're on a journey, you know, this is not like done. I'm not sitting here pounding our chest and saying we're perfect. Very far from it. Yet we have really quite comprehensive plans to become much closer to perfect on sustainability. But if we can keep going on that journey, then I think we're making a real impact. And as we make things that make our customers happy, we are also really removing a lot of other negative externalities that would have otherwise been created if Albers didn't exist and they weren't able to buy products from us. So so that's an important element. And as we are on the journey from where we are today to something that more resembles a tree, like I mentioned, than a typical vision of a company, we're also carbon offsetting everything that we do from an emissions perspective across the end to end, like farm to end of life in the product. Everything is offset. So every purchase that a customer makes can be done with confidence that they're, while we're on the journey to make the lowest impact from an emissions perspective, we can every single day. We are also along the way making sure that we offset whatever impact we do have. Is it possible for larger companies like the Deckers of the world to be a tree and to rethink their systems and find a new level of kind of neuroplasticity to be more like an Allbirds? Or is it too late? There's zero reason why they can't. It's about willpower and about the desire to, to do this. Now, look, it's, it's harder for brands that have been around for a decade relying on plastic to 
all of a sudden one day turn around and make it all perfect. So re-engineering it into your business model is difficult. Re-engineering it into your positioning with consumers is difficult. There hasn't been brands that stand for sustainability at the core of what they do. And so it, it is difficult for them. So I, I'm not suggesting that it's easy, but if we can do it, we hope to be a beacon for others to do it as well. And because you are all about open source and co-creation and collaboration, I think that bodes well for the future of the industry writ large. And I look at you know your partnership with Adidas and correct me if I'm wrong, but you partner with them to create the lowest carbon footprint performance shoe of all time. Why Adidas and why this type of shoe? It's funny, like you think about human performance and how much has gone into the fastest running people the fastest marathon of all time, you know, sub two hour marathons, sub four minute miles, all that. It's wonderful. And like to push the boundaries of human performance is something that's really aspirational. But we kind of had this thought that that is really important, but you know, we might be running the wrong race right now. And if we're not running the race against climate change, we might all just perish and then you can't run much anyway. So uh, let's think about running a different race and creating a race to zero around carbon. And so putting it in that kind of tension made it really interesting to explore the idea of a performance shoe, which has so many different components and, and so focused on doing something powerful for the athlete while also doing something powerful for the planet. We thought that was a very interesting, evocative idea. And Adidas warmly welcomed that concept. And I think, you know, along the way, learned a lot from us, frankly. And, and I think we learned a bunch from them too. And it's something that I think was a, was a great experiment. I hope serves as another bellwether for the way things can be where you don't have to, you know, you could still compete viciously for market share in a, in a business, but collaborate around sustainability. And what was the result of the partnership or what will the result be? We announced that it was 2.94 kilograms per pair, kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions per pair of shoes, where the industry average is typically 13, 14. We achieved the lowest for a performance shoe of all time together. And um, I think we're going to continue to push the boundaries really far beyond that independently without partners, because that is the journey that we're on. That was a great start. We launched that idea we're now, I think at some point in the future, we'll allow people to purchase the product. How in the world were you able to get B Corp certified so quickly? And I don't mean that in an accusatory way. I say that in, in amazement because I know what it takes and the process. And you were launched in 2015. You became a B Corp in 2016. That must have been a huge effort. When you start something and you build it fit for purpose, in some ways, it's actually a little easier not to take away from it, it's really hard. And, and now I would say that, you know, look, we operate in 35 countries around the world, all direct with all our own people. We don't have any partners or franchises or things like that. We um, operate in lifestyle uh, shoes, performance shoes, and the same for apparel. And we have a digital commerce platform and a mobile app and our website. And we have 29 stores. Like this is complex, really complex now. And to maintain that has been something that is, you have to be laser focused on. And I'm really proud that when we, you have to recertify with B Corp every two years and it's all audited. When we recertified, we grew our score by quite a substantial amount 
on the next time around. And we expect to continue to do that. That's where it gets hard. And that's where I'm really proud of the team here of what they've been able to do to never take their eye off the ball and just be focused on getting better every day and have that, I will say, the athlete's mentality of getting better every single day. And when we really do strive to do that and have some humility around the fact that we're not perfect today and that we have room to improve. Yeah. And you're trying to set your own PRs for yourself. You're not racing against anybody else. You are the person that you're trying to beat every time, right? Yeah, that's right. I've seen a lot of brands obviously start off digitally native and then they move to stores. Why do you think it's important? I've had Bull and Branch on, I had founder Warby Parker on, same thing. Why do you think it's so important to have a physical presence in addition to a strong native digital presence? I won't comment around like industry broadly, but I'll just say for Allbirds, the story here is we have done like merino wool that we use is 20% of the width of a human hair. And it is so fine. It feels like silk. It's just absolutely incredible. Yet it also conveys all these amazing and miraculous performance attributes like temperature regulation and all this stuff. But when you put it on your body or your foot, it's it's so good. Our eucalyptus fiber is, is like soft to the touch and is amazing in summer. And the soles of the shoe are super squishy and comfy and great rebound and all the good stuff that you would hope for the products that we make. And it's hard to see that on a website, you know, like coming in and touching and feeling it and having an immersive experience with, with, you know, our, our ambassadors in our stores are, are just super passionate about what we're doing. And they are immersed in the education around how we did every single thing with the materials, how we put them together. They tell the story very well. So you get the full storytelling plus the tactile experience of this research and development muscle that we've we've created. It's it's just an awesome experience. And we know that when people come into the store, they get it and they love it. And then, you know, they can go back and buy online as well. And that dual channel approach where we make sure we deliver the best experience for customers and they understand what we're doing most comprehensively means that we, you know, there's always going to be knockoffs out there, but those knockoffs will never be able to deliver the same kind of quality of product, the same kind of attention to detail on sustainability, and the same storytelling that we can do when we when we bring it all together in a nice complete package. And and I think that that mix of tactile and and digital is the future of how commerce is going to be done. So last question, did you have any kind of near death or oh shit experiences? in the early days where you might've been in that trough of despair or holy shit, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off. And because on the outside, everybody was like, oh, wow, that's like an incredible story. Six years, look at this growth, incredible. But what people don't see is kind of the fear, the frustration, the anger, the commitment, the resilience, all those things, the human emotion that goes into being an entrepreneur and the setbacks and how you overcome those setbacks. If you can just talk a little bit about that, because there's so many people who are listeners who want to be you or want to make an impact and want to be purpose-driven. And they might be a little scared, but it'd be good for them to know what they're getting into. There definitely have been those moments. The metaphor of like a duck uh, that looks great on top of the water and scurrying below always resonated with me. Like you got to hustle and you got to have so much resilience. Like doing this stuff is so freaking hard. And I'll, I'll just say the most rewarding thing about what we've done is we've attracted, we have about 600 people at the company now in the space of five years. And, and these people, they believe in what we're doing and they believe in what we're doing because we don't cut corners. We really have taken the, the authentic approach and building that kind of a team allows you to break through walls 
And we have had to break through some walls. You know, we have very difficult time with our supply chain sometimes because we're doing something very new. And the supply chain in our industry has been used to using petroleum-based products for 50 years. And we're asking them to do some very new stuff and create new standards and a whole bunch of things that are that are quite difficult. And sometimes that gets in the way of making the most money and moving the fastest or growing the most. And our consistent approach to that has built a lot of goodwill in our employees and we break through walls because of it. And I would just say that for anyone like considering starting something or creating initiatives within their firms, make sure it's something that you want to sink your time into and that you feel like five, 10 years down the road, you could be really excited about continuing to wake up and be on that journey and on that mission because it is pretty hard. And if you don't have something that you really believe in with your whole self, then it can be challenging. Well, and the other thing is, and I'm, I'm not going to date you, but for those of you who are further on in your careers, it is always awesome to see an entrepreneur who has worked for others, learned a lot from others, but knew that they would break out one day and use all those learnings, stitch them together, find a great partner and launch something special. And that's basically what you've done, which I think is fucking awesome. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, and yes, we were not like 21-year-olds when we started this either. So we did definitely take some scars from previous experiences and made sure to learn from those lessons. And those lessons are valuable because it's, I think, what contributes to your success today. So Joey Zwillinger, not Zwillinger, but Zwillinger. I hope everybody gets that now. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate what you're doing for the world, literally, and also the incredible products that you're bringing to consumers like myself, my son, all of his friends, all of my friends. And I can't wait to see you continue to succeed in coming years. So it's just so great to have you. And thank you for your time today. Always good to talk to fans. And thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quitkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of companies, organizations, and people who make it their mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing production team, including Lindsay Hand, Dara Cawthron, Julie Strickland, and Nina Valdez. Learn more about our show and sponsorship opportunities at brandonpurpose.com. Learn more about our host at aaronquitkin.com. 